is uh, the story of how I made uh, inadvertently I, I might add inadvertently made the, the Dalai Lama laugh so um, let's see 1995-ish I was uh, in Seattle BC Boys came through town on a spring tour and uh, Adam who I was friends with Asked uh, asked me, she was staying at my house for a couple of days. He was like, you know, what are you going to be doing this summer, this spring? And I looked at him and I just said, I want to go somewhere crazy. Like, I don't know, just somewhere with different smells, different, you know, no snow. No, You know, I've been traveling a lot at that point. But um, rarely was it, you know, for, for my own or like, you know, kind of like no boards involved. You know, yeah, you bring a skateboard, but you're not going there to skate, which was a different uh, type of trip than I'd really taken. So Adam was like, you know, instead of, uh, instead of Thailand, we should go to Vietnam. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Um, and this was 1995. I think it was six or eight months after a 25-year travel embargo or all sorts of embargoes was lifted so you know here's a country that had been at war for like freaking decades not just with us but you know the french the fucking i mean they they just fought for fucking decades and um so you know kind of going there just months after this travel embargo was or embargo was lifted was a trip in that it really was like being in in vietnam in the 19th century you know it was like um it was a trip um the first big trip out i had was waking up in uh i think saigon the first morning and looking out and feeling as though I was in the Alps, like in the in the French Alps, because the uh, shutters on the windows and the room styles and the smell of coffee and baguettes was like wafting up through you know our room. That that was fucking like whoa. Okay, 
Well, the French, I don't know. I don't know if they surrendered or or just gave up, but uh, Lucien planted um, the coffee seed and the baguette seed there because it's fucking amazing. Anywho, um, we were on this trip. I don't know. We were in Vietnam for like five weeks, almost six weeks. And then we went to Thailand afterwards. And um, while we were in Vietnam, it was like almost every night, especially towards the end of the trip, it was like Adam would just kind of like just, uh, I don't know, just throwing mud at the wall, trying to find ideas that would stick. And, you know, it was based around raising awareness for the Dalai Lama, the Tibet, the Tibetan people, Tibet, blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, yeah, he was really into it. In fact, the whole kind of premise of our trip in Vietnam was we're, um, just, you know, going, going to check out different temples, different Buddhist temples, and that that was fucking cool, you know. I remember at one point just looking at him, going, um, you know, anytime I'd kind of look at him, sometimes I'd be like, "Dude, you look like you're, on, you're doing a shoot for the BC Boys cover. What the fuck?" Just the way he'd look, you know, it was just funny. And uh, but at one point I remember looking at him like, "How the fuck do you meditate? What do you what do you do here?" And he was just like, "Look at the look at the Buddha." Look how look how fucking chill he is. Just just be stoked on how chill he is. And I was like, dude, that that just made sense. I was like, right on. Okay, I can do that. And um, so you know, we were trotting along our merry way in Vietnam. We we were offered multiple times. Men offered their freaking you know eighteen to. 30 year old daughters up to be our wives, all sorts of crazy shit. And Adam wasn't like a partier by any stretch. So it wasn't like we were having like crazy nights and this shit was going down. It was pretty mellow. I think we smoked opium once or twice on that trip together. Um, but he wasn't like, you know, let's go get a beer at five or something, you know, not, not at all. And so, uh, uh, we are pretty much in a lot of innocent situations to be kind of thrown the, uh, that, that ball into our court. Um, it was pretty wild, but anywho, we get to Thailand a couple, I don't know, six weeks later, I guess. And, um, by that point he like, you know, kind of fortified what he wanted to do. He wanted to do a freedom Tibet concert and then a tour of which he did both, like, say, I think in 96 in San Fran was the first one. But it was uh, it was kind of cool just being there, like on the, um, just watching this plan come into fruition, you know, watching it, like, have many different aspects, layers, angles, and then, you know, the final was this. You know, for a while it was like, oh, should we, should we tour in Asia with, you know, we get the Red Hots, you know, he's just naming all these bands and, you know, he'd do this, and then he just kind of finally concluded on, on what he did. And so when we got to Thailand, um, 
after Vietnam, we were just, you know, we were crashing anywhere. We, we had one bag each with us the whole trip and they weren't huge strapping backpacks. So it was like, I remember at the airport, we weighed each other's bags to see whose bag weighed less for like, you know, 50 bucks or something like, dude, I bet you 50 bucks or whatever. But, um, so we get to, we're flying to Thailand from Vietnam and, and he was like, you know, kind of like, I don't know what your plan is, but I'm going to post up at the four seasons here. And I was like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, no problem. Just get another room. You know, if you want to stay or if you want to stay in this tree, I was like, fuck four seasons. sounds good. Um, and so let's see. Yeah. So here we were in Thailand and this is where it, like, uh, the story got, so there's some details, you know? So every, every day we were there about a week, week and a half maybe. And every day he would start the day by, or not start the day, but, um, one thing I picked up on was like, he would always check his messages. If he had something to do at five, you know, some, I don't know. He would always just check his shit right before he was to go do something. I just kind of picked up on that. And then I, um, he said it was like a new answering service or machine or something. So the, the, he didn't like it because the last message left was the first one he got instead of, the reverse order and this all plays in and so anyways he I think he had this woman Aaron fly out from San Fran like an assistant of his and uh, the BC boys or the record company I can't remember who she worked for but she came out to just help him fortify this whole idea and part of that was traveling to India to like north I don't know north western india to meet the dalai lama he, he want you know he'd been to tibet once or twice at that point at least once and um yeah so he you know he was hell-bent on beating the dalai lama that sounds rad so um he offered uh kind of like obligatorily offered me to come with him on that trip and I was like no yeah kind of like you're on your own you know this is your trip like I, I don't need to I'll butt in on some shit but I don't need to butt in on some uh religious world leader shit you know <clears throat> and so blah 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 um I believe I was on the way to the airport to fly back to Seattle and he just it was like here I'll just go with you I'm, I'm gonna. I was gonna fly out. I don't have a flight yet, and he just went to the airport, Bangkok, got his fucking flight to wherever in India, and so you know, we kind of like left each other, went and checked in and shit, hooked back up, and yeah, you know, he was just kind of telling me the details, like, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna you know meet the Dalai Lama, and <coughs> let's just say it was Friday the third at you know. 5 p.m. or something and again I just kind of logged all this stuff and but uh one thing we shared was uh our love of fucking Caddyshack and Bill Murray's lines in there and so anytime the whole you know preceding six weeks in Vietnam he would bring up anything about Tibet or the Dalai Lama I just started being like oh 
12% of the llama, the flowing robes, grace, bald, striking. Um, I just throw something in and he'd laugh his ass off. And so um, leading up to, uh, let's see. So I flew home, I got home, and I would just kind of realized when I got home, I was all jet lagged, probably up late. And I was like, oh, wow, man. Um, I just kind of looked at the times because when you're traveling like that, you just kind of like, you know, what time is it there? What time is it? And I just kind of thought, what time is it where fucking Adam's at? And so I looked, and it was like four. And um, I was like, oh, that's sick. You know, 24 hours or 25 hours, technically, he's uh, he's going to be meet the Dalai Lama. That's fucking crazy. And I was just with him. That's fucking, that's kind of a trip, you know? So he, uh, let's see, you know, he got to India. He had his own little, um, what do you call it, issues, uh, something with a, a visa that he didn't have. But, you know, he had the power of uh, one of the biggest record companies in the world at the time. And at the time, that shit still mattered. So uh, somebody pulled strings for him, whatever. He gets in. I believe he called me in the time, like, just kind of like, oh, you made it home, cool, all right, dude, later I'm in India, you know. It was a quick call, but, uh, uh, and, and again, I just logged, you know, the time he was going to meet with the da- Dalai Lama. So the next night, at about the same time I was up, I was jet-lagged, I was like, oh, I'm going to leave a message on this machine of fucking Bill Murray, you know. And this this wasn't queued up with cell phones and shit. I had to get actual, you know, VCR remotes, rewind tape, queue it up, have it ready to go. And so when he, he checked his messages as I knew that he would, it, you know, say if he was eating the, the llama at five, I left it, the message at like four fifteen. So I knew that he would, you know, before leaving his hotel or leaving his whatever residence he was in, he was going to check his messages. And as I found out, you know, a while later, he certainly did check his messages. And so, you know, the last message left was from me. And it was uh, it was Bill Murray just, you know, mumbling the lines of Caddyshack into the answer machine and me laughing my ass off in the background. And so, you know, that just, just kind of, I did that one night and didn't think it ever went anywhere. And I didn't hear from him about it, but saying, um, was it November ish? I think he came to Baker that year and I pick him up at the airport and about an hour into going up to Baker, he was just like, Oh my God, dude, you you have no fucking idea. And I was like, what? He was like, you like left me a message in your, uh, what do you call it? Jet lag state. You know, it was like probably four in the morning for you. You left me a message of just Bill Murray, just, you know, going off on the lines from, from, um, uh, about the Dalai Lama from Caddyshack. And so, uh let's see i was like oh you think that was an accident i was like i fucking you know i planned that why do you think it was a why do you think you still remember and he's just like you know oh you fucker and like you know just kind of flip me shit whatever um but i i really got the one over on him so anywho probably a year later 
six months later, eight months later, um, I see him again, and I think we're backstage at one of his shows or something like that. And uh, he was just like, oh, dude, you have no idea what what you've fucking done to me. And I was like, what are you talking about? So he told me that the, the message that I left, that um, when he first went and met the Dalai Lama, that it was so fresh in his mind that he just started bursting up laughing when whoever in the room said it's the Dalai Lama. He just pictured the fucking Bill Murray lines and all this shit. And he was just like, just telling me, he's like, yeah, I was like, you know, pretty embarrassed. You know, I was fucking laughing in front of the Dalai Lama as he walks out, you know? And okay, this was on the first round. This is when I picked him November. This is what he told me that, you know, the Dalai Lama was, um, brought out and announced and he just started laughing and he felt all bad and shit and then the next year the one i'm kind of talking about now a year later he was like he was like oh dude you have no idea i was like what and he said so i saw the dalai lama again you know a month ago or whenever the fuck it was and um they were having a you know a sit down whatever that means and at some point dalai lama just asked adam he's like you know, the first time we met in India, you were you were laughing. You were just laughing your head off. And apparently, if you know anything about the Dalai Lama, um, he loves to laugh, and he loves people that laugh. He just likes seeing laughter, you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, let's see. Yeah, so Adam was like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was laughing. And Dalai Lama asked him, he's like, what, what made you laugh? I mean, of all things, right when I walked in the, kind of like calling him out a little bit, but at the same time saying he appreciated it, but like what sparked this laughter. And so Adam tells me, he's like, you know, I'm sitting in front of the Dalai fucking Lama. I can't, I can't really bullshit him. You can't, you know, you can't look at Jesus and bullshit him and be like, what made you laugh? Oh, I thought of an old joke. So he just told me, he's like, I just told the fucking Dalai Lama the truth. My friend Mike that I was traveling with uh, left, a, left a message. And um, it was uh, Bill Murray from Caddyshack talking about you. And, and so he tells me that the Dalai Lama just fucking laughed. And it was like, oh, I love those scenes. I love that movie. I love that they did that. Just the fact that, you know, he acknowledged that caddyshack existed was you know up there with me and um so anywho uh you know they got along everything went fine but like at the end of the day it's like um uh i okay this was it he goes uh what was it he, you know he kind of pressed him on what made him laugh well my friend mike and he's like well he's like well he told me later that you know he planned this message and for me to get it right before i met you and all this stuff and he goes i looked over the dalai lama was like genuinely laughing and he just turned to me and he said your friend mike he's a funny guy and um yeah so yauk told me that the uh the second time after i saw him after that whole thing and it was just too funny it was like you know two years on a year and a half later 
and I'm still getting like killer, uh, uh, what do you call it? Just getting a lot of legs out of that prank. Let's put it that way. So that's, uh, that's how I made the Dalai Lama laugh. And, uh, apparently he knows my name. I don't know if he knows me like he knows, like, you know, I don't know, Caddyshack, but, uh, um, I was always stoked on that. That was always a, a funny one. And, uh, and that's it. That's my story of how I inadvertently made the Dalai Lama laugh.